Well, good morning again, church. Uh, before I get into the sermon, I want to kind of give you an update on a few things that I uh, talked about last week, and I want to just kind of bring us on the same page. Uh, first of all, uh, if you were lifting up our staff uh, this past week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, really Sunday night through uh, Wednesday, um, we got to spend three days together as a team, off-site uh, and in prayer together, talking about um, the reality that the Lord has given us the opportunity to dream uh, and to take care of the flock and to look forward, not just for this year, but for years to come. Uh, and, and I want you to know, um, by noon on Monday, we knew that it was the best staff retreat that any of us had ever participated in and we still had time to go uh, and so the fact that you were praying for us uh, I want you to know if you were one of those prayer warriors God moved in almighty ways even thinking of that in here and um, today um, as you're as you're sitting in here we sat outside in San Antonio until noon on Monday and it was about 80 degrees like this and we were saying God you're so good so listen this morning, as you're fanning, if your spouse is looking hot, right? Mm, that works differently. You're welcome. You can just, you know, just, you know, guys, this is your chance. You can sneak in for like a cheek kiss every now and then be like, I'm just blowing and cooling you down, you know. Sneak one in church. It's all right. It's okay. Just remember the pastor's watching. Uh, but thanks for praying uh, for us. The second thing I want to let you know is last week at the end of service, I shared with you, we put it on Facebook, we put it on email. Uh, if you're not uh, in, in those worlds very often, it's okay. Um, but we were approached a little over a week ago. Uh, a friend reached out and just said there's a gross need for school supplies for older teenagers that are in foster care. Uh, and so made the uh, invitation for you to begin praying about it. We got the, the word out. Um, backpacks, notebooks, pens, pencils, highlighters, and one other thing I forgot, I'm forgetting, what is it? Paper, yes, absolutely, and, and computer paper, which I bought yesterday, which is proud right now, you know, um, but, but we've already started to see an incredible response. Um, I don't know the exact number because I didn't get clued in, but the last time I looked, we were close to having half of um, backpacks donated and through funds or gifts or however. A lot of supplies still to come. We have one more week. Um, if you are able, um, we would encourage you to go grab something. And, and let me tell you what's great, especially if you have kiddos in the room. Um, when our kids were little, we didn't give money often to things like this because we wanted them to pick out the backpacks and them to pick out the stuff. And it allowed us a great time to talk with our children in the grocery store about why we were doing what we were doing. And oftentimes for us, it was also, we're doing this because it makes Jesus proud and, and, and we wanna care for people, but we can't go out to eat when this is over because we're spending our out to eat money on someone else. And just to, to, to let your child know that there is a joyful sacrifice in the Lord that's better than self-splurging. That is not a lesson that they will learn on TV or in school. And so uh, I would just encourage you do that. If you don't have a lot of money right now, if you had enough uh, gas to get in your car here today, you probably could buy a $1.50 pack of pins or something even. And, you know, just, just do that. If you don't have that to go buy pins, 
I'll give you an HEB gift card. You can take your kiddos to go get that so that you can teach them that lesson um, because it's so potent. So those are two things uh, to wrap it up. You can bring them up next Sunday. We're gonna be collecting them. We have a, a small group, a life group that's gonna be assembling them. If you bring them in the backpacks, great. We're gonna pull it out and go through them well. Make sure uh, just a word of encouragement and blessing is in the bag as well. Um, just make sure everything's distributed evenly. But we would love for you to participate. Don't miss out on that. Um, so as we're getting here, we're gonna be in a few different places in scripture today uh, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 uh, that's not, I'm not starting with either one of those we're starting in Matthew 16 but those are the two chunks of scripture right Ephesians chapter 2 and math and uh, and Acts chapter 2 um, we'll be getting started in Matthew 16 I really tried hard as we're going through our family values series to find one passage of scripture that I could manipulate to say everything that I felt like was important um, but the reality is God wove a thread from Genesis to Revelation on purpose he didn't just make a knot and throw them against the wall and so we're going to be walking through the New Testament today specifically talking about what we believe about about the church. And, and this is hugely important um, because I think there's a lot of, of loss in there. Had a great trip where we went to Turkey um, to see what missionaries were doing there and just found that there are people saying that church is X or church is Y, but they taste biblical but they don't satisfy because they're not truly biblical. Amen. Have you ever had a moment like that where somebody said something that tasted biblical, but it didn't satisfy you? That's probably because it wasn't truly biblical. The only way you can know that is how? Get in the word. That's right. Get in the word. So that's where we're going. Um, we have a statement on the screen. Let's see if it pops up there today. Um, if you grew up in church, there's a big C and a little C church. So what we always called it. And so if you want to read this together with me, um, it's a lot. We'll read the big C church first on our website. It probably won't say big C and little C, but that's, I used to go to big church and love it. Amen. So let's start off together. The big C church is the body of Christ which includes all of the redeemed, all the ages, believers from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. If you need a backup verse, just hit Revelation chapter seven for that. Now this, that's a potent statement um, that should have corrected the church throughout the generations and maybe it wasn't leaned to the most and so we're gonna lean into that. Now the little C church was what we talk about when we think of the local church. When we think about our church family in that, okay? So that's the big C. This is the little C for context. That's us, okay? Let's read this together. The little C church is a local congregation of baptized believers connected by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, operating under the lordship of Christ, observing the two ordinances of Christ, governed by his commands, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. So uh, that's a mouthful. There's not one passage of scripture that breaks that apart. All right, but what we are gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna kind of put this together as we get started because it's important to talk about the church and our role because I think we've downgraded that um, 
to where church is what I make it to be or what I need in the moment. I was listening to, to Omar's uh, and the songs that we were singing this morning. And there, we've talked a lot about, man, our, our focus needs to be on Jesus and how often our focus is on us. Um, and so quite honestly, the, the little C church doesn't mean anything to me as long as I'm I'm, I'm at some little C church somewhere. I don't think, I don't think scripture points to that. I think uh, community, as we'll talk about today, and connection far outweigh our, our comfort um, as, we, as we go uh, into things. And so as we talk about the little C church, um, there's some potent stuff that goes into it. Um, and here's what the way our, our message starts is, is that we include all of the redeemed. That's what the big C church says. When we talk about little C church, it said believers connected by covenant faith and fellowship in the gospel. Do you see there's something unique about Jesus's family that's different than worldly families, all right? And so if you're a kiddo in the room, I need your help today. I need your, I need your attention. Mom and dad, I, you can listen along as well. But this is pretty amazing. At my house, house Connor and Ashley but Connor specifically love the Astros and quite honestly Christy and Connor I just didn't want to point her out like that so much um, if she had to choose between fellowshipping at your house and the ball game she would make the game work amen I mean that's how it is and so at our house um, we have a lot of baseball talk going on and so do you know that every every series that we get an invitation to the Astros game and the invitation costs between 20 and 120 dollars a person they invite me to wear their jerseys between 120 and 250 dollars an individual they desire for me to delight in the food of the house for 12 dollars a hot dog except on dollar dog night they, they actually, during the week, will allow me and you to show up at a specific time, usually on the hour, and walk through the locker rooms. You can even step on the field, not the grass, the dirt. They've, they've let me in the dugout on these outings, and I have actually said hello to some of the players on the field there's a unique corner that they have for me that they invite me to come and hold the same bat that Altuve held for $427 yesterday. There's bases that I can buy and I can decorate my house. So let me ask you a question, kids. They've invited me to do all of those things. Am, am I a Houston Astro in the same way that Jose Altuve is a Houston Astro? What do you think? No, no, that's right, not even close. Let me tell you the difference between Jose Altuve and me. They actually pay him to come to the stadium. What a crazy thought. He doesn't buy anything that he wears. They put it on him. He gets to step on the grass. He doesn't pay to hold his own bat. <laughs> right? I mean, if, if I were to say, I'm a Houston Astro, right? Jim Crane would be like, yes, you are. But what he really means is not really. Because there's a difference between me being a super fan of the Houston Astros, right? And me actually being a Houston Astros. And here's the interesting part of that. The people who are Houston Astros, they have something 
that Jim Crane and the Astros organization want. And so they invite someone who has something they want to be an Astro so that it can be used, it's gonna sound really crazy, but for their purpose and for their glory. Do you know the invitation to be a part of the church is similar and different? You see, there is a difference between a fan of the Lord and someone who belongs to the Lord. And that's the doorway that we walk through. But here's what's different. You and I bring nothing to the table. God doesn't seek out specific men and specific women because of what you have, the charisma that you have, the, the, the auditory um, prowess and, and, and the amazing you know, draw that you are. He doesn't bring you in because um, your wallet's big and he needs money. God doesn't, he doesn't need from us. And so the unique difference between the, what the Lord says, this is my family, that, my church, and what the world says is this, is literally you only have stuff to receive when you join the Lord's family. And actually it begins, the doorway that opens is receiving the Lord. I want you to hear this. The church is made of the redeemed. It is made of believers connected by fellowship, exhorting the Lord, encouraging him and being obedient. But that door that opens, there's only one way in. And that's through an invitation of God who needs nothing from you and you have everything you need from him. In Matthew chapter 16, let me read a passage to you. It'll be very familiar with you. Verse 15 through 18. This is what the Bible says. It says, he, Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Pause right there for a second. What Jesus says to Simon is, is that only God could make this known to you. Only God can extend this invitation. You didn't have a skill. You didn't bring it forward. He opened the door. Verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, now listen how this works, how this door opens up. This isn't David Adams defining a church. This isn't a pope. This isn't a bishop. This isn't a pastor. This is the Lord Jesus Christ that says, only my father reveals to you the truth that makes you part of the family. Only God opens the door. And, and in that, he says, Peter, you have confessed that. So he has redemption is the Lord giving and us receiving. There's this crazy part that God's put into play that gives us the opportunity to receive that truth. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to know the same thing is true about Romans chapter 10 as is Matthew chapter 16. Salvation and therefore the church is Christ-centered, not me-centered. Salvation and therefore 
membership in the church is Christ-centered, therefore not man-centered. The confession that, that Peter said is, you are the Christ, you are the living God. Romans, Paul writes, you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and that God did what he said he's gonna do. He raised him from the dead. Do you see that the, the entry into church has absolutely zero to do with some man or woman standing at the door to let you in? So in the midst of that, the church is made up of those who are redeemed. The word church that Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church is the word ecclesia. It's one that we'll see. There's some churches that have that name around here. You may have heard it. I remember the first time, maybe been a, some Henry Blackaby study back in the 90s and maybe the first time I remember hearing that as a teenager. The word church literally means called out assembly. That's what it means called out assembly in the picture of the church the door is opened and it's not about you it's about me and therefore my family so when we think about the little c church what scripture says is that the reality is that no thing no person no one nowhere can make us a part of the church i was studying um just for a sermon series coming up the other week and i found a name that i didn't know uh and so anytime i find a quote from someone i don't know i have to look at their backstory i would hate to quote the wrong person and someone would be like mm, not a not a christian right and, and I remembered going through a little bit of church history when there was the great rejection going on. And this guy was rejected from the church at the time because he dared to speak and believe that the word of God, the door of Christ was opened by Christ to anyone and that no bishop or priest or pope could hold the door open or shut it. And church, in the midst of that, this is the best news about the family that we're in, the church that we're in, is that we are the called out and we are called out in assembly, not simply to be. But God's called us to be a part of something in our redemption. So first of all, our church is the redeemed, the redemption of Christ received together as an assembly. Now, if you have your Bible, you've turned there, look at Acts chapter two, all right? So we know that the church is, is called out. We know that part, but we also know not only are we a unique people because of the way God calls us out, but we have a unique purpose. And this unique purpose is displayed in our obedience that we obediently exercise our commission. Do you know to be a church, you cannot be in disobedience? And you say, Pastor, how or why does that work that way? You don't have to trust me about it. Just read the first three chapters of Revelation that no one wants to read because you want to get to the good stuff. Amen? Like, can we read about what this could mean? Now, first three chapters God fills them with if you are not obediently exercising your commission I'm going to remove your lampstand you will not be a church anymore do you know who closes the doors of a church only the one who opened it have you ever considered that 
Only the person who holds the door open can close it. And, and, and to be quite honest, if man, president, pope, uh, a, a leader, whatever, dictator, if they were strong enough to close the door that God was opening, then we should worship that person. Are you following me? So therefore, when Paul says, what can man do to me? Whom shall I fear? He's like, you can't shut the door of the church. Nothing can stand against the kingdom. That's what Jesus proclaims. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, they can't prevail. I mean, they, they can't even have a small minor victory. So we are a unique people because we are called out as an assembly by Christ. But we have a unique purpose in obediently exercising our commission. If your Bible, Acts chapter two, verse 41 through verse 47, it'll be very familiar for many of you this morning. It says, so... Those who received his word were baptized. And I left that in originally. I want you to know the obedience of the church can't happen by people who haven't received the Lord. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles and all who believed were together and all had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Before we get into obedience, I want you to know the Lord offered something and it was received that made them the church. Who added to their number? God did. See, we are actually not in charge of church growth. We're in charge of church stewardship. That's really our role, is, is to obediently exercise the commission God has given us. And, and the reality is, is that we can be confused and misled pretty easily. Uh, I was listening to uh, a broadcast. I was driving somewhere. A reporter uh, was talking to uh, a Ukrainian farmer or excuse me, a, a German farmer about the war in Ukraine and how it was affecting them. And, and uh, this correspondent said, so you're not able to get fertilizer like you, you normally have. So that's probably uh, made your pro crops decrease a lot. And you know what was funny? The farmer said, no, actually the crops are about the same. And you could tell for just a second, like either edit was needed or something, like that was not what you were supposed to say. Because what we're supposed to say is you have less crops because of it. And the farmer said, no, the crops, they're, they're just the same as they were, but the quality of them is much less. So the, the wheat that we used to have for making certain things, we no longer have. Our fields are full, but the wheat is not as useful. And I, I literally, I, I stopped and I pulled over and I typed my notes in my phone because it was just 30% less fertilizer he was using. And from a distance, the fields were full. But when they weren't able to have and have what they normally have, the things that made their crops full, when you got close, you realize that these are not fields 
that are going to feed the hungry around the world. You see, a church that is not exercising in obedience its commission may have seats filled with people. And from the outside looking in, it may look like disobedience or obedience doesn't matter. As a child told me years ago, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. doesn't matter what I do. Y'all, if you're a teenager, that's dumb, right? You submit yourself to the Lord and where he leads you, he will provide. But, but in the midst of this, don't be fooled by the outside in. What makes the church, the local church, what God has called it to be and designed to be one that he doesn't remove the lampstand through, we find in Acts chapter two. Very quick summary. It says, so they received his word and were baptized and they added 3,000 souls. Verse 42, and then, now check it out, revival in America, we baptized 3,000 and somehow the next week at church, there's 12 extra people, Right? This is not what's happening. It's not baptizing for baptism's sake. This isn't someone's 12th baptism going on here just in case the first 11 didn't stick. Verse 42, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayers. Awe came upon them. Wonders or signs are being done to the apostles and all who believed they had things in common. They were selling their possession and distributing the proceeds as they needed. The, the church has to exercise the gifts, the abilities, the calling, the importance, the rights and the privileges that God has given it. It, it, it can't sit by and say, Lord, you have saved me, so I will worship you. The local little C church to be the church, what we believe because scripture says it, must be active in fellowship, devotion to the word of God, to prayer, and to serving those whom God calls them to serve. Church if those are absent, then it is not a biblical church. I would tell you this, a church that only knows fellowship is not a biblical church. A church that only knows study and never prayer is not a biblical church. The church that only knows prayer and never service isn't a biblical church. The church that does five million good deeds in the world and cures the world of hunger but doesn't have fellowship or prayer or study is not a biblical church. It is not one where those who are redeemed, if they are redeemed, are being honored by the God of all creation. And so for us, church, as we talk about life groups, and, and someone asked, it was so funny, I, I was talking with um, Someone, I, I know them barely. I don't even know how I, where I was talking with them. And they were trying to talk about their small group class. And she said, oh, I always call it Sunday school. She said, but we, we now call it community groups or connection groups or life groups or whatever it was. And when she walked away, I was like, yeah, I totally get it. I thought, if I could tell you the number of people who said, I don't need to go to Sunday school anymore because I've already done that. I would, be, I would be a rich man if I had a dollar for each of them. 
because there's something about, I don't know why, and I grew up in Sunday school and I love Sunday school that says one day I'll graduate out of being devoted to the word of Jesus Christ. Church, if you were to say that out loud, would you feel confident in yourself like God, there will come a day before you return or even after you return that I will know all there is to know about you. I will unpack the wondrous mysteries of God and I will have mastered the things of the almighty, indescribable, unimaginable God. And I did that when I turned 18. What would you, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Do you know, church, if you are a redeemed person and you want to honor God, what scripture says we believe is that we are unique people and we have a unique purpose in exercising obedience to God. And we do that articulated by the Holy Spirit in fellowship, in prayer, in devotion to the word, in serving others. Church, Listen, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know, but I have seen a temptation even in my current age. As long as I am on this church, on this world, on this planet, since the moment that I was redeemed, I should pursue the love of my life whom I will spend all eternity with as hard as I can today knowing better as an older person what is a store for me tomorrow and I'm not saying that everybody you have to serve him the same way at 27 and 87 don't get me wrong I'm not saying you have to serve him the same way as 18 as you do 46 but I am saying this if you believe what scripture says about the church then there must be a devotion in my personal life to the assembly of people not just my crew not just my group not just my people but to the bride of Christ that gathers with me that assembles with me to serve the Lord in the community to serve the Lord when there's need amongst one another to serve the Lord in fellowship to serve the Lord in prayer and in devotion church this is what we believe about the church the church is made up of a unique people it's made up for a unique purpose and finally we have a unique head being a good pastor I just want to say unique pastor you see we are governed by and we operate under the lordship of Jesus Christ he is our head shepherd he is our king he is our pastor our father our friend he is sovereign over all last church we were at a family came and visited the church and a little boy, I can't tell you his age or remember his name, but he came up and he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. I mean, you never know what's coming out of a child's mouth. And I love it when kids ask me questions. And he was like, this is a nice church. I said, well, thank you. It really is a nice church. And he said, how much did it cost you? I said, well, I didn't buy the church and he was he was sad 
in that moment, I realized he was trying to think, I want to buy a church one day. I, I want to own a church. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> don't do it. But we aren't like anything else or like anyone else. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. Uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, verse 13 in chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He opened the door. He himself is our peace. He who made us one has broken down the flesh, dividing wall of fellowship by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing hostility, verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have access to the spirit of the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the house of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together in a dwelling place by, for this God by the spirit. I mean, in this passage of scripture, one place after another, God holds it all together. God has made you new. God has joined you together. God is growing you into a temple. You are being built together into a dwelling place. He has taken what was two and made it one. He has talked to those who are near and talked to those who are far. At the moment, he was talking about those who were Jews and those who were not. We might even say those whose moral life has looked clean and those whose moral life hasn't, haven't looked clean. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross of Jesus Christ, he has built his house and invited you into it church he has not invited you or I to be in charge of it amen and so what we need to know is not only are we a unique people with a unique purpose if we're God's church but we also have a unique owner and the owner is Christ and so in the midst of that, we don't get to have a voice. Every vote, every time we speak, every time we gather, all of our decisions should only reflect one thing, what we believe Christ has led us to. That's it. I mean, every single point, we have made God so small, we've left him out of the big things and the small things. But that's not what we hear or believe about the church. Do you know God actually cares and has an opinion about everything he's created? And he's, he's invited you, he's called you out through his redemption to be a holy assembly in order to exercise in obedience the commission and the calling that he gave to you the day that he called you out. And, and so don't start well and pretend like he is not needed until later on. Do you know God cares about every thought that you have, every trial that you'll face? Do you know as a church, God is aware that the AC is down and that it's warm in here and he cares? Do you know that God cares about the trials that you're going to face? Do you know that God cares who your child's life group leader is? Do you know that God cares about how we steward the resources that he's given us? Why? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. 
Because church, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God prepared those things beforehand so that we, the church, might walk in them. So today, church, the the invitation to you this morning is if you are a called out one, let the word of God fill your lungs again. I mean, chew on this church. If God could make dead to life, he can make old passion burn like new again. And this morning, maybe you need to say, God, I have forgotten that I am a part of an assembly of people who have been called out and redeemed for the purpose of exercising obedience. So Father God, not from the ear of any man or any woman, but from your voice, God, will you show me what it looks like at 6, 16, 56, 66, 86 to be devoted to your word, to engage in fellowship with other, others, to serve you and to seek you in prayer as a part of this called out assembly because it's simply preparation, a shadow of the great assembly that you will live in for eternity. And Lord, would you be the master of this house? This morning, if you are not a part of the called out assembly yet. Well, you've now heard what it is, but let me help you know what it is. It begins with the invitation of redemption. Jesus Christ shed his blood so that you in Christ may be made new and a part of this family. If you have not received that today, if you have not heard that before, it doesn't matter how far you have been or how close you've gotten in the past. Just like Peter, who do you say that he is? You are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe everything about your power and your word. I give my life to you. That's the start of redemption. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in this place. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to seek and to find, Lord, what you were hiding in plain sight. Lord, you've opened the door and you've allowed us to walk through. Lord, let us be the church where the lampstand is lit hot and the door is wide open because of our Lord. Father, we praise you and we love you in Jesus' name.